guys, 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 What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to the Flippin' Podcast. Um, I hope everybody is doing well. Um, I have a really wonderful episode this week that I'm just gonna dive right into with my friend, my good friend from long ago, Hannah Rogers. She is an incredibly smart, woke, uh, kind, gentle, awesome, gracious creature of light, as you will hear me refer to her many times in this podcast. Um, yeah, and she's someone who I met uh, at a summer camp when I was about 17 years old, and uh, we were both just lonely kids, and uh, we uh, just got close very quickly, um, you know? And... Um, yeah, and we just have stayed in touch over the years, but I haven't seen her in like four or five years, and uh, drove down to San Diego and had a lovely night hanging out, spent the night at her family's home, woke up in the morning, had a delicious breakfast, um, and recorded a great podcast. Um, this podcast is kind of similar to the episode of last week in the sense that I'm talking to a, just an extremely intelligent woman. <laughs> um so if that bothers you, go fuck yourself. Um, but yeah, no, Hannah is just um, super smart and awesome, and I think she represents a lot of things that uh, need representation. You know what I'm saying? She is uh, not only just like very liberal and, and kind-hearted, but also um, just super well-informed. Um, and also, as we get into a little bit, um, she's a very devout Christian and, uh, we get into talking about the different types of modern Christian culture and how certain people of faith are misrepresented and stuff. And in my opinion, she is an example of a true Christian, a, a pure hearted Christian. So, um, yeah, uh, Hannah's just very encouraging and I, and I came to her as you'll hear, uh, with, um, my tail between my legs. And she just uh, filled my heart up, you know, and uh, just made me feel good about <laughs> just trying to be a nice person and trying to take care of myself and how those are indeed righteous ways to spend your time and not selfish ways to spend your time. Um, something that we got into talking about, I think the night before, rather than on the podcast, is just the uh, over-romanticization of being overworked in America and how we kind of wear that as a badge of honor of like, oh yeah man, I only slept like fucking hour last night and like I'm, you know, oh so wrecked, I'm taking 35 units and like oh, working full time, like I'm I'm awesome, you know and mad respect to, to people that are invested you know um, but it's also I don't know, I think taking care of yourself is maybe more righteous than uh, just exhausting yourself at every turn, you know? And so we came up with a term, the nap revolution. <laughs> um, yeah, so go take a nap, guys. Take care of yourselves. It's, it's not worth it. I, I don't know how much you're offering the world um, if you're grumpy and, and sad all the time. Um, and I think personally that I have more to offer the world if I'm balanced. Uh and I'll maybe I'll get more out of the things that I do if I do less of them. So, anyways, the world is full of curious, kind, compassionate people. Um, and if you're feeling like 
maybe some people that you're hanging out with aren't that way and you wonder if there are nobler creatures out there let me tell you that there are my children <laughs> uh no but basically hannah is just a reminder that there are really wonderful people worth investing in and uh there are maybe more difficult relationships that don't necessarily warrant as much energy as we pour into them um but yeah look look for the good people out there because they're there and hannah is one of them so we're gonna just gonna dive right in um here we go friends oh yeah also if you like this podcast friggin rate it on itunes you know um oh also hannah if you're listening and we were talking uh after we recorded that she wants to start a podcast and i want her to fucking start it so bad so if you hear this and you think that she's cool, please do me a favor and, and reach out to her on Facebook. She'll probably be tagged in the post if you saw this on my Facebook page. Um, but yeah, look up, look up Hannah Rogers. Get in contact and say, you need to do a podcast because you're smart and cool and you put good energy into the universe. And if you don't like it, keep that shit to yourself. Um, yeah, but if you want to rate us on iTunes and give us a nice uh, little rating, I'd appreciate it. Because I appreciate you. All right, guys. Here we go. Podcast time. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad talking. Happy sad to have they, they have zoom makes like a recorder that is like uh like you plug microphone just like basically into like a bigger version of this mm-hmm. um and that's the dream wow. for mobile setups so hello hannah hello mackin how are you i'm wonderful how are you <laughs> i'm wonderful we're sitting in your wonderful room and we're sitting in your bed it's a little messy it's not, there's, okay, everyone, let me describe to you what Hannah's version of messy is. There's, like, a tissue box on her bed, like, a single business card, <laughs> which I don't know what it's for, and then there is, uh, oh, it's see, for the bag that I was using today. oh, heck yeah, yeah. I'm gonna turn, small businesses. I'm gonna turn this auto level bullshit off, <laughs> check, check. Uh, I did get it. I liked it a lot. (laughs) Okay. Check. Is this happening? Yes. Okay. Math. Um, Yeah, and there's like a sunscreen. That's it. You're fine. Okay. I feel you, though. I'm the same way. Like, um, I think it's because, like, my mother is, like, very, like, crazy about having like stuff clean mm-hmm. and whatever like that like when people come over i'm like oh, you don't my, you don't understand my place is a mess and there'll be like a single t-shirt on the ground <laughs> right <laughs> well because yeah. like your room is a reflection of you and so you kind of want to be like i have everything all together all yes the time. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah totally it's it is interesting like i'm a fan of the um idea that like your your external environment like kind of either reflects slash like informs your internal environment you know and if i'm like on the weeks where i'm feeling like extra like manic and hectic and all over the place 
most likely that my like apartment is just trash. Right. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah, and there's dishes in the sink and stuff. And if I can it's almost like, a, like just like a nice way of managing anxiety, mm-hmm. just like cleaning, you know? And it's like I'm like, okay, if I can get this little room together, then I'll get my whole life together. <laughs> Like, for me, I have to make my bed in the morning at school. Yeah. Because if I don't, like, my whole day is bad. Yeah. Because I haven't created that space of, like, okay, I'm preparing my space for future me. And that's, yeah. you know what I mean? So um, That's beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Just trying, I'm always trying to look out for future me. Yeah. It's, like, the goal. <laughs> I, sometimes I will audibly say out loud to myself, like, thanks, past Matt. <laughs> Like, if I, like, made a snack for myself right. or something. Yeah, or you pack your lunch. Yeah, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, fast macking, killed it. Look who had their shit together that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, whoa. How, we've also, okay, so let me just describe the last, like, <laughs> like 12 hours for the <laughs> podcast listeners. So basically, Hannah and I, were you, do you tell the story of how we met? And then, yeah. like, I'll bring us up to now. But we- basically we've been catching up a lot so we've been talking a lot yeah. and so there may be some rehashing if that's all right with you absolutely because you say a lot of cool things that i think are worth hearing thank you uh so we met at the world's worst summer camp yes <laughs> four years ago um we had the same college counselor and the college counselor was like hey um i'm gonna bring you guys all together and we're gonna like organize this marathon for like victims of domestic abuse but just kidding it's never gonna happen yeah and you guys are just gonna sit in a room with a computer and not know what to do right and uh so poorly run it was so poorly run and like they were literally just like figure this out how do you do this (laughs) i remember calling like a lighting and staging company because we were gonna have a concert and i got like a an estimate (laughs) for like how much money it would cost to like rent a pa and stuff like that and i ended up dealing with them for like a while and then this thing never happened right (laughs) (laughs) and he was like but still put it on your transcripts so we're all liars yes but um so we met that was four years ago yeah and um it was the world of like modern american like academic college prep like get your resumes dope and stuff and all that hectic world that maybe people listening are familiar with exactly like look as well-rounded as possible yes and you know get into a school that everybody says is really good yes and then do that for the rest of your life or for the next four years but um yeah so we met there i had a massive crush on you Ah! you were like the best person in the world (laughs) and um very flattered thank you (laughs) and yeah, we we stayed. In Way touch. to go, past Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so we stayed in touch like for the last four years, kind of just yeah. like random text being like, "You're cool." Like, yeah. how are you doing? The nicest text. You would always send me like the nicest text out of nowhere, just like, "Hello, beautiful friend." Like, I haven't spoken to you in years, but I hope you're well. And like, there'd be these like long, beautiful essays that fill my heart with warmth um. and goodness. And you would write these songs, and I'd be, like, crying, and I'd be like, you're so great. And <laughs> ah! So, yeah, so that was our basically our whole relationship until yes. you were like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? And I was like, sure. Yes. Here we are. Here we are. So you showed up last night at my house. In tears. In tears. Literally in tears. I was having a strange day, and I haven't seen Hannah <laughs> in four slash five years. <laughs> I was having such a weird day, like... I was staying at my parents' house last night, and, like, I love my parents, but there is, like, a lot of anxiety there, and I think just being in that physical space, 
I just like couldn't sleep and then I woke up really late and then I was like my head was super weird and then I ended up going on this hike hike to clear my head and then I was like fuck I have to drive to San Diego and I totally <laughs> thought it was gonna be like an hour and a half totally is not that I don't because I think I'm used to driving from Orange County where I used mm. to live and it's totally three hours <laughs> And then I felt really, and then I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be super late. And then I like felt really bad. And then I like headed down there and I was all like super weird in my head. And then I like, after like just like one minute of being in your house, like I went into the bathroom and I got like a weird call from my dad and he was like yelling at me. And like, he was like upset because I had like put the TV away wrong or something. My dad's a lovely man and he's been on this podcast. Um, But it's also interesting because like, I've had him on this podcast and people have been like, like I've gotten texts from people being like, your dad is the greatest person of all time. Mm-hmm. Like I wish I had a relationship like that with my father. And I love my dad and I love our relationship in a lot of ways. And like those podcasts are very real, you know, they're not like fake, you know, it's not like they end and then like, fuck you really- now, exactly. I get out of my apartment, dad. <laughs> um, but also like, even as like, quote unquote, real or authentic as podcasts are, like you are like it still is like a sliver and like a presentation of sorts you know mm-hmm. um so you know basically i'm still working on my relationship with my dad and even though those podcasts are hunky dory it's like you know it's a difficult relationship a relationship with your father you yeah know? and he's awesome in a lot of ways but he was uh i think he's just been having a rough time like in general and then this little thing happened and he was kind of just like Rawr! right <laughs> and i was like oh no and so i'm just crying in hannah's bathroom <laughs> and i come out clearly having been crying a lot and then we like went outside to just like catch up and then i just started crying immediately again <laughs> because like hannah is like a lovely creature of light and like you know, I, there's no hiding. No. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. You know, it's nice to be seen by somebody. Oh. Ah. Good thing I have my glasses on. Yeah. I see you so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, our first conversation in person in years, I'm just fucking crying. <laughs> I'm going between crying and laughing at how absurd it is that I'm crying. <laughs> I'm like, this is hilarious. But then also going back to weeping. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then my, my tears dried and we got some tacos. Tacos yeah. are a good fix for just like oh, yes. spontaneous crying. Oh yeah, especially like corn tortillas, like a lot of mm-hmm. absorbency. Yeah, it was like authentic <laughs> yeah. tortilla, great tacos. Yeah. And then we went to the beach and like watched the sunset. It was glorious. It was glorious. Yes. We talked about some stuff. Talked about some stuff, which With is true. With a capital S. With a capital S. I mean, because last time we hung out, we were... Oh, like seventeen, sixteen. Yeah, you know, it was Obama's America. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, <laughs> the world made sense. Yeah, Fleet Foxes only had two albums. Yeah, yeah. That was the last night that we spent in person together. Was singing Tiger Mountain Peasant Tiger Song. Tiger Mountain Peasant Song. Yeah. And I broke out into anaphylactic shock and went to the ER. I have no memory of this. You told me the story <laughs> again yesterday. <laughs> I did. That yeah. You went to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and I just. Just can't remember this at all. <laughs> yeah, I we I'm were a terrible out on the friends. Grass. No, and you were like, "Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go do something." And I was like, "Sure." And then I kind of noticed that there was like all I had to go cry in the bathroom, yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I had all these like red bumps on my arms, and I was like, "That's kind of weird." And I went to the camp counselor, and she was like, "Oh no, you're like maybe dying." <laughs> so, oh Jesus! So we went to the ER, and I was there till like three in the morning, and then. You texted me and you were like, hey, where'd you go? And I was like, the hospital. <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
Yeah, which is exactly something that would happen to me. I mean, given yeah. my track record, so. This is true. Yeah. Well, I hope you're okay. I've made it out. You told me the story last night, and I was like, do you still have eyes? Are you all right? <laughs> I felt bad Four for not being there. Four years of uncontrollable, unending. If only Mackin had <laughs> asked me how I was doing, I would, <laughs> these highs would go away. No, they're good. All right, my arms are clear. Yeah, heck yeah. For those podcast listeners. Like, does, she, <laughs> does she have hives? I don't. Um. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I haven't seen you in four years, but also just, like, social media stuff. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I feel like this is a type of friendship that is of, the, of this time, you yeah. know? And, like, I feel like we talk negatively about Facebook and stuff a lot because it clearly has had, like, a lot of, like, dramatic impacts on our culture you know and our states of mind and fake news and all that stuff and FOMO all those F words um but I feel like we rarely talk about anymore uh like why social media is like great (laughs) you know what I'm saying and like uh I don't know like I'm sure we'd still be in touch in some capacity but like just being able to like be reminded that you exist (laughs) every once in a while and like keep you in my mind is cool you know and I think also like we were both in kind of dark places when we met yes we had a very fast intimate friendship you know where it's just like oh here's all the crazy fucked up weird shit in my life (laughs) (laughs) right and so to kind of see like oh he's doing really great like I'm really happy that I can see that you know or like I can see your music and be like oh okay like I'm you know I've always been rooting for you and to kind Uh of be like you know, okay, he's fine. I don't have to, like, call him and be like, are yeah. you okay? Like, right. <laughs> it's still 2013 for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's a really nice thing. But I think, you know, social media, it's so weird because every other day I'm like, I'm getting rid of it all. Like, I'm going to yes. go live in a cabin in yes. Greenland and that's going to be my life. Yes. Um, But it's also really wonderful to kind of have access to people that you, you know, have these really nice intimate friendships like we had that were really quick and yeah. beautiful and you're like I want to hold on to that and geogra- like geography really didn't help us very much because we go to schools on opposite coasts and yes so it's nice to kind of have that connection still yes so you're from Nevada I am and you have said to me many times in the last couple days the last day single <laughs> I, I got here at like 7pm last night <laughs> but um that like Nevada is your heart yeah that's fucking beautiful and awesome. Um, will you tell me about Nevada and why you love it so much? Yeah. Uh, so I am a fourth-generation Nevadan, which Whoa. is a hard thing to do in Nevada because it's a very young state. We were started, like, in the Civil War and stuff. So, But my great-grandpa was the first-ever park ranger in Nevada and built um, all of the original trails in Mount Charleston, which is, like, this beautiful mountain that's, like, 45 minutes away from the city. And so my grandma grew up in a cabin in the mountains and would go down to Las Vegas where only like 10,000 people lived. And it was like this tiny train town that really had no like promise. And kind of she was witness to watching it grow from a town of 10,000 to 2.3 million. And, you know, Whoa. was there for all of it. And kind of if you're from Vegas, if you're from that, you know, era, you either you guys went to high school together or your parents went to high school or your grandparents went to high school together so like it's this really connected where everybody knows each other everybody is looking out for each other and yeah. um it's a really weird place as well especially to grow up like as a kid where yeah. you know you're like 
I remember like I was driving home from graduation and there was a strip club that's kind of by my house because I live in Las Vegas and the billboard was like class of 2015 now hiring and you know growing up like there were these um, people that stand on the strip and they have like these little cards with like prostitutes on them and they Mm -hmm. would like hand them out and my brother always thought they were trading cards and so was like dad Yu-Gi-Oh of prostitutes right, exactly and he goes be like dad I want trading cards and my parents would be like look at the floor like don't look at <laughs> you know like and so it's weird because you're growing up like in this place that's like all sex all party all like debauchery right. yeah but like also I think that's the public yeah uh, it's the public conception view, Con- but also what is the word Con- is that conception is that the right yeah. word yeah okay thanks works. sorry I got really self conscious <laughs> no you're fine um perception perception yes per- yeah whatever how but. it's con- I guess conceived is really just the wrong word <laughs> but you're very kind <laughs> public perception yeah um but like you know you grow up in this weird place that's like you know all sex and all partying but also has like the most churches per capita in the country interesting yeah and because yeah, so, you're a person that's like very pure of heart and so aw. like the fact that you're like from las vegas is like from my public perception <laughs> <laughs> is like oh interesting you know yeah it's a very much like it's like the strip and then like a normal town everywhere else um and so yeah, I think that, you know, we're, Nevada kind of bounces back between, like, 49th and 50th in education, and, you know, our high school graduation rate is really low, and our literacy rate is really low, but we, I think that, and I was telling you this last night, Nevada is one of the last meritocracies in the nation because it's so young and so fresh and is also so addicted to new ideas and innovation that all of these great people are coming in and staying there and getting jobs in, you know, hospitality, and our whole, like, Last night you slept over, and we were, like, very intense about your blow-up bed. and like. Oh, yes. Sure. The entire family, like, <laughs> rallied around this project of, like, making this blow-up bed into, like, a legitimate bed. And it was great, but I also was like, I was like, oh, my God, like, I feel bad, like, imposing this much. Like, it was a whole thing, and like, there's sheets, and we're, like, trying on five impressive sheets, and, like, it was great. It was great. But, warmed my heart. Yeah, and that's a Vegas thing, like, to really take care of people and make people feel at home. And so... Um, yeah, so I, I want to stay there and, and when I get back from school and kind of help make it become what I know it can be and, you know, to give Nevada the resources to allow it to, like, you know, reach its, its like, possibilities and potentials. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's Vegas. And it's fun because I live on the street. I live one street over from where my dad grew up. And so we the history of Vegas and like I live in this neighborhood called Old Vegas which is not that old because all the houses are from the 70s but <laughs> right. um, America right <laughs> relative exactly uh, but it's got like these really kooky weird neighbors that I thought were vampires growing up and like <laughs> um, okay so we were when I was it was like 2008 I was like in the 6th grade and we were taking our dogs for a walk and my dad's like there are these there was this old Spanish house, a street over, and it looks like this big Spanish mansion. And the guy spent years building it. And right after it was finished building, he died. And so the house like was always vacant and we were convinced that it was haunted. And suddenly like this group of people just started like living outside of this house and like living in tents. And my dad was like, Oh, there's a cult like in our neighborhood, like for sure. And there's like some witch doctor. I don't know what's happening. We gotta figure this out. So we're taking our dogs for the for a walk and uh, we go over to one of the people, and we're like, hey, so who are you waiting for? Like, what's what's going on here? And she goes, uh, we're waiting for Michael. 
I was like, Michael? <laughs> Who's Michael? And she goes, only the greatest Michael to ever live. And I was like, Michael Jordan. Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh! And when Michael Jackson was planning his comeback tour, he lived a street over from me. Really? Yeah, across the street from this elementary school, which is a little terrifying. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, these people, like, lived outside of his house and just, like, waited for him to come outside. Oh, my God. And when he died, uh, like, two days later... We were driving to eat at a restaurant, and we drove past his house, and there were people, like, with moving vans hauling all the furniture out, and we were like, wow, that's really quick. You know, I can't believe his estate is, like, already getting the furniture out. Turns out, it was not his estate. We were watching somebody rob Michael Jackson's house. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And uh, there was, like, this whole thing, and there was, like, 24-hour security for, like, a month and a half after that, and then there's, like, this huge Michael Jackson shrine that went down the whole street, and so it's a very weird place to live and, and be from, but I love it. That's a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> you watched Michael Jackson's house get robbed. Yeah. <laughs> It's so weird with Michael Jackson because there, like, I don't know too much about the, like, the public controversy. Mm-hmm. But I remember as a kid, like, people would tell, like, like on the playground, people would tell like pedophile jokes, like, yeah. about Michael Jackson. Um, and then growing up and going to music school, especially like pop music school, like he is one of the patron saints of pop music, you right. know. And it's just like a very revered, precious figure that like contributed so much to pop music, you know. Um, and I also like love how strange he is, like mm-hmm. because he he is so popular, and the fact that also like the Beatles are so popular, and you kind of think of these things as like oh Harry Potter, the Beatles, Star Wars, like these are popular things that everybody likes. But what I love about all of those universes is that they're all so fucking strange. Yeah. And the fact that really strange things can be really universal to me is like very heartening you know mm-hmm. so he's like a complicated person for me to think about because like i know that there are some accusation things out there i don't really know the details of them and the, part of me is also like i don't want to know like <laughs> yeah like he's he's the king of pop like i don't want to know but then part of me is like oh wait that's fucked up like i don't know it's hard <laughs> yeah. i have such a complicated relationship with that because i love michael jackson and like i grew up on his music and like to me like human nature is so las vegas at night in the summer that like it connects me with home yes. so much tell but, them that it's human nature <laughs> what what but um <laughs> but i also like won't watch woody allen movies right so I right think this that, is another similar thing yeah so like I was named after a Woody Allen movie. I won't watch it because I think, you know, he committed this horrible crime. But I don't do the same thing with Michael Jackson. And I wonder right. why. You kind of have to, like, investigate your own hypocrisies and stuff yeah. like that. Like, oh, I kind of have a backbone when it comes to this stuff unless I like the music. Like, is that right? Is that my new Yes, like, if you're good enough of an artist, I'll yeah. ignore this stuff. Yeah, this, like, disgusting pedophilia. Like, so... I don't know. What's the Woody Allen? I don't even know the Woody Allen controversy. Like, because I'm pretty late to his like films, and yeah. I was just like, I didn't even know about this controversy. So I was just like, these films are amazing. Like, you know. And then I like, what happened? He's like dated his stepkid or something. He's married to his foster kid, and also there's like allegations that like he sexually abused his daughter, his biological daughter, like throughout her whole childhood. Oh god. Yeah. And a lot of it is like, no, the mom was crazy and like made up all this stuff and but like I don't know. And I it's like a really complicated case and people yes. have been talking about it for decades and trying to figure out what happened and, you know. 
So I don't, and I don't know that much about it, but I still have right. this like conviction where I'm like, can't watch Woody Allen movies. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel the same way with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. So I guess it's complicated. Being a fan of things, of people is very complicated. Right. Because, you know, Michael Jackson is built up to be, you're, you're right, the patron saint of pop music. He has this mythical yeah aura to him yeah where it's like be, it's beyond his person like yeah. this yeah this myth yeah yeah he's more than a human being and so you can assign um this blamelessness to him that you can't right. with other people or you know you kind of it's it's all very very subjective and it should it shouldn't be but it is mm. so i think celebrity culture in America is really dangerous. Like right now we were downstairs and the OJ Simpson parole hearing is happening. And you wonder like what would have happened if OJ Simpson hadn't been this amazing athlete and right. had this incredible like career in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Or like if Bill Cosby hadn't been this figure of Americana for decades. Right. Like how differently like the trials would have gone, you know, yeah. and like it wouldn't be, it's so interesting and like we were kind of talking about this last night but just kind of like like we were just talking about like pop culture and religion and just like that like uh, America as a secular nation is maybe like mythically deprived you know and this is like theories that I'm stringing together from other places that aren't my own but it is interesting that like in an age when like information has never been more available like the facts have been like that <laughs> have never been more just like blatantly ignored mm-hmm. you know and so it's just scary when like there's so much truth about Donald Trump that's out there yet like his myth was so powerful and like pervasive that like it was the mythology that ended up taking him to the top you know and it's the same thing where it's like people are like willing to ignore all of this stuff for this mythology of like oh he will he will save us you know yeah absolutely i mean so many people told me like oh but you know he's famous because he worked like that they think that fame is a character trait right and uh instead of just a condition that someone is born into in donald trump's case i mean my dad has this great saying where like donald trump this is a man who woke up on third base and thought he hit a triple Ah, uh, yeah. And so they think like, well, I see him on TV, and that makes him really important. And because he's important, he's correct, and he's right, and you know we can ignore all this other stuff because the rules don't apply to him. So yeah, yeah, it's really, uh, it's disheartening. I was getting my eyebrows done like right after the election, and I was talking to the lady and who was doing it, and she voted for Trump, and she was like, you know, I I really don't care if he blows everything up because at least it'll be different that was such a strange mindset to me that like different for different sake and you know risking losing it all or you know putting a lot of people in danger just so that things might change not necessarily for the better yeah yeah it is strange but i i tried that's cool that you had that conversation because i feel like that's something that maybe like i I'm just surrounded by so many uh, liberals, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, most of my politics are, like, pretty left-leaning. I try to, like, still claim, like, an independence, but, like, lately it's just, like, so hard to not. And just especially because there are, like, just, like, so many people that I know that, like, don't have the... I feel like maybe it is a 
an extension of white privilege to like <laughs> like there's some people that are like they like don't have a choice and they're like yo like if i want any like rights <laughs> or anything like i have even though i'm not super down with everything that the dnc stands for it's like this is the only way that in the current system i can affect any positive change for me and my and my people and my peers and stuff and so it's like basically i have friends that i like grew up with you know that are like on the opposite side of the political spectrum mm-hmm. and like people that I broke bread with and like yeah. cried with and like you know like was like like skateboarded around town with and like I uh there's just so much divisiveness right now that I know that like the, the bigger enemy than any particular issue is just like the lack of communication and the lack of willingness to have conversations you know and so part of me is like oh yo I gotta stop just like talking to people that I agree with all the time yeah and so but I'm also <laughs> I basically, let me, as opposed to ragging on myself, I will compliment you. I respect your just like uh, level of knowledge and compassion and how, if you are in this situation where you're talking to somebody with like opposite viewpoints and either like, I don't know if like the people that listen to this podcast either have like similar political views or opposite political views, but as to not like isolate anybody, but still speak honestly, like how do you approach conversations with people with like ideologically just opposite views from you it's such a challenge because i kind of have this war in my head about whether or not i'm legitimizing racism and xenophobia when i talk to somebody and i'm like oh well that's your perspective and this is mine and right you know i'm not like that's really harmful and dangerous like please don't do that you know yeah we're telling people how to think because i wouldn't want them telling me how to think but i also think that like you know a lot of my opinions, I try not to have opinions that'll mean the loss of rights for other people. But it's hard. I think you just have to come with empathy. And the one thing uh, we can't allow is for fear and isolation to solidify the damage that is being done right now. Um, And I think that comes from both sides, not being afraid of the other person and talking to your neighbors. And, you know, you were telling me last night about we talked a lot last night. Sorry, guys. But um, <laughs> you were telling me last night about your travels in Ireland and how many kind strangers there were that just came at the right moment and offered you a ride in their car or to ship something for you. And that's amazing. And I think that we need that here. And I think we need people who um, aren't like, oh, no, you have to be uh, ideologically perfect for us to, in my eyes, for us to have a, a relationship. And I think that it's too much of us like creating these standards as to what the other person needs to fulfill in order to build a friendship or build a romantic relationship um so i think it just comes with empathy and saying hi and complimenting somebody's shoes and going from there and yes that's the best like version of the resistance that i've heard thus far (laughs) compliment somebody's shoes um yeah no worries uh It's like, it's so, yeah, it was very interesting going on my little travels because, like, just seeing the way that people treated people, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is what it's all about. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And, like, when you were saying, like, hospitality, like, Vegas thing, you know? I was like, 
because that was something like I found like in Ireland and then when I went to Spain they're like it's a Spanish thing and then when I went to France they're like this is just a French man <laughs> so it's just like decent people like take care of each other you yeah. know and like that's so beautiful and yeah we do need we do need more of it here man um especially in LA you know like where I'm from like it's just a lot of people like riding in their cars alone and like mm-hmm. looking down and stuff um yeah so I think that you know I, and I think that like cities like Paris or you know Ireland where you're walking around constantly you're forced to look at other people right that's such an important thing to kind yes. of notice that you're not by yourself all the time and that you're not you know the world is going around around you and uh going on around you uh there's this word called sonder I don't think it's a real word but it's a word that's used on the internet and it's uh this idea that you know, you're driving down a highway and you realize that everybody else driving in their cars has a life as infinitely complex as your own. And I love that idea because I think it, once you're forced to recognize that, like, people are going through some really heavy stuff that you'll never know about and everybody's fighting this battle um, and, you know, have, they've been crying or they've been laughing and they've had a great dinner or they watched a really sad movie last night. All these little details yeah. are really important to kind of recognize exist, even if you don't know the specifics of them so just kind of being aware that all these other people are just trying to figure out life as much as you are and just to be compassionate and patient with that and um yeah just kind of smile at people and recognize that they're really cool even if you don't agree with them yeah yeah i think that that is incredibly badass and like yeah, it's just, it's hard because also I think another thing about like Europe is it's just more culturally diverse because mm-hmm. of the geography, you know what I'm saying? And like, but it was interesting going over there and just thinking like, oh man, racism, such a human problem. And then like going over there and being like, okay. And there was definitely racism over there for sure. But being like, oh, like a lot of this is, is just an American thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And there are a lot of things where I'm like, oh, humanity's got to deal with this and humanity's got to deal with this. And it's like, I think maybe just America's <laughs> got to figure some shit out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people, this is one thing that just perplexes me a lot is like, well, just on that cultural proximity thing, like I, I think part of the ignorance and fear like it's totally amplified by the the geographical isolation you know what i'm saying and they're like a lot of people that you know won't come into contact with somebody from a different country you know and then then it's easy to be afraid as opposed to talking to somebody and be like oh we both like food and like to dance and laugh and hang out and tell stories and trip (laughs) (laughs) we're like incredibly similar right (laughs) you know what i'm saying (laughs) um what was i about to say I totally forget. It being an America thing? Being an America thing. Oh, yeah. Like, America's whole thing is, like, freedom, and they hate our freedom, and it's all, like, we have this incredible freedom here that no one else in the world has, and they're trying to take it from us, you know? hmm Like, what? Like, there's part of me that's, like, like, yes, great place. Like, I, I'm able to do what I want. It's great. Also checking my white male privilege for sure. But, uh... You can be free and be yourself, like, in a lot of places, <laughs> you know? And there are so many other kinds of freedom, you know what I'm saying? Like, emotional freedom <laughs> yeah. that are maybe harder to find here, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where things are so divided, so... Just that concept, like, I feel like America is, like, really, like... Or maybe people that entertain ideas of uh, isolationism and nationalism and things are, are somehow, like... 
being like, oh, like it's cause like it's for, for our freedom. You know what I'm saying? And like, I just think that that's such a dangerous myth, you know? And I'm wondering like if it has any merit at all, you know? Like obviously we have rights here and stuff like that. And there are a lot of countries in the world where a lot of people don't have basic human rights and safety and stuff like that. And that's great. But there's a lot of places that you can just like safe and hang out and like do what you want. <laughs> You know? Yeah. There are a lot of studies that show that like America isn't the most free country in the world. There are a lot of more freedoms elsewhere. And there are a lot of people in America that are trying to kind of restrict freedoms of certain people. Yeah. Um, that they don't like or they don't want voting. And um and so I we talked about this, but for me, like patriotism is hold is loving your country enough to hold it accountable. And a lot of people think that patriotism is, you know, loving your country and telling everyone to get out (laughs) telling everybody to get out and enabling a lot of dangerous stuff um because you don't want to hold it accountable but like i love you as a friend and if you did some really whack shit i would want to call you out on it because i respect you enough to think that you can do better right so why can't we apply that same thought to the country yes and think like hey this isn't okay i wouldn't like it if you know my friend were beating up minorities. Can we maybe make sure our <laughs> yeah. country doesn't do that, you know? Yeah. And so... Um, I feel like we can expect more from our leadership, you know? And yeah. it's not like, that's just the way it is. It's right. like, no, it's not. It doesn't have to be this way, exactly. you know? It probably shouldn't be this way. Yeah. And uh, I'm so amazed and so impressed by the people who have really, like, gotten in the front of this, like, resistance movement and have marched and... You know, even the people who march for stuff I don't believe in ideologically, like, it's still amazing. They believe in something right. enough to go speak out about it. And if that's a really important issue to them, I absolutely applaud their ability to kind of go out and talk about it. And it is cool that in this country we do have the opportunity to, like, protest and stuff, you know, yeah. and speak out about shit. Absolutely. And, I mean, we have late-night talk show hosts that, like, criticize the president on, the, on a nightly basis. Yeah, that's cool. And that's really important to kind of have this pushback from entertainment from other politicians and to feel comfortable doing that and from citizens um and to kind of figure out well if we don't like this what do we like what should we like right you know what where do we go from here and how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again if we don't like it so yes uh and there's so many things like so many things (laughs) where i feel like uh, like as an American, like I'm, I'm, I'm almost ashamed of uh, my like country in like a lot of ways, and it feels weird, especially being abroad and like being somewhat of an ambassador, like uh, just like apologizing, you know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, like not only like I feel like maybe what America is to the world is maybe like w- within America, like what maybe white people are to minorities here, you know what I'm saying? And so being an American white person. I'm really just like <laughs> I just feel like cultural cultural pride is traditionally dangerous and bad, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And so it's tricky like wanting to cherish certain values, you know what I'm saying? Um but like I said like from earlier like it's like so many of the values that I can be proud of are just like human values. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. and I liked what you were saying a lot earlier about like Yes, I want to hear all everybody's perspective and like respect all sides of a conversation, but at a certain point like you do have to like you can't be like, "Hey man, do the alt right, they're just misunderstood." Right. <laughs> like at a certain point you have to be like 
okay, yeah, like, I, you got to put your foot down and, and, and fight for what's right, you know? And so it's tricky because, like, you know, you have, like, people that think that, uh, you know, uh, same-sex marriages shouldn't happen because it infringes upon their religious freedoms. So, like, I heard this, like, debate on NPR. They were, like, having people call in and be like, one side feels like, you know, this is like a human right that people should be allowed to marry each other, which to me seems like obvious. <laughs> um, but then you have these other group of people that feel like their religious freedoms are being infringed upon. Um, and so like, if you try to accommodate everybody's needs, like it's impossible. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And at a certain point you have to be like, that's, it doesn't infringe upon your religious rights. Go to mass on Sunday with your heterosexual friends. And like, that's fine. You yeah. guys can all hang out together. That's great. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. This is not a part of your life. That's nothing <laughs> exactly. to do with you. Exactly. And the people who are, you know, protesting gay marriages, but aren't protesting like divorce, which is like a way bigger no, no in the Bible <laughs> than like, than two men loving each other, two women loving each other. But, uh, Yeah, man. Uh, shit is crazy. It's just weird, like, because there's, like, this, uh, I think Aziz Ansari on the Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. uh, monologue, did you see it? Yeah. When he was talking about the lowercase KKK thing. Yeah. And just, like, this new, like, sexy hipster white supremacist thing that's happening. <laughs> Which is just so weird. And, like, I watched this video of, like, uh, it's, like, Charles Barkley and his friend, who's also African-American, uh, sitting down with, like, some, like, member of the alt-right and like having a conversation like trying to hear him out you know um super interesting video if you can find it on facebook like if you sure if you just type in like charles barkley alt-right thing uh it'll come up and it's like and we were talking about this yesterday also but just seeing like people whose actual culture and rights are being oppressed handle things with so much more grace than I'm handling with them and like none of my fucking rights <laughs> are being challenged at all yeah. you know and just like because I think with this last election it was like a lot of uh, like you know liberal white people that maybe had this like idealized version of like how far we'd come like for, mm-hmm. for us like we grew up in Obama's America and we were like oh my god like we're killing it and like it was maybe the shocking realization you're like oh oh wow like we yeah. we haven't come that far yeah, I mean, I was talking to you about how much I love the movie Get Out. I think it's yeah. so great. Likewise. Yeah. I saw it recently. I just only saw it like two weeks ago. I've seen it like five times, and it's amazing. Um, and It's I've, so fucking amazing. It works on so many levels. Yes. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. But the thing about that movie is Jordan Peele wrote it because a lot of people were telling him that racism in America was over because we had an African-American president. And, you know, you even hear, like, the main character, Bradley... Uh, Whitford, Whitford, uh, saying like, "Oh, I would have voted for Obama in a third." Term. Yeah, and like also doing some like really horrible stuff. So yes, um, and that's maybe the more dangerous form of racism is like the insidious, just like, "Hey, man, I'm cool, but like also still gonna oppress you." <laughs> right, I'm gonna use the N word, but like, yeah, you know, but tell everyone like I don't see color and like it's totally. It's a weird like the liberal white elite racism is very insidious because they have no idea that it's happening. Right. Totally. And, and that's kind of what I grew up around. And like, um, a lot of people that kind of just assumed like, Oh, if we don't talk about it, you know, like rather than admitting, like just being like, Hey, like socially and culturally, like I still have like racist ideologies that I have to like 
I still have like a lot of unlearning to do. And the way you do that is like having these awkward conversations, you know, and mostly listening, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to, to different people with like, they're actually experiencing oppression and stuff like that. Um, but I think so people are so afraid of being perceived as racist that they're not willing to enter into those conversations and get called out. And people are like defensive and stuff like that. So they just end up not talking about it and just perpetuating these ideologies and just being like, we're not racist. Like, uh, you know, I dated a black guy in college. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> I have a black friend and, you know, and, and that's like a very difficult, like when you start qualifying how not racist you are. Yeah. By being racist, you know? Yeah! And, um... Yes. It's a very, like, people are really afraid of understanding or acknowledging all the ways that they've hurt people. In, in every aspect of life. I mean, in your yeah. romantic relationships and your friendships and your familial relationships, you are, it hurts when people are like, you've devastated me or you've really hurt me. And, yeah. you know, to kind of have to, you know, compute or figure out that guilt, uh, it can lead to, if you don't know how to address it, correctly or you know with humility and with grace like you can't grow Mm -hmm. um and so once you say like hey i probably have internalized a lot of horrible stuff and i need to figure it out with somebody and i need a space where like you can tell me that i'm wrong and i can figure out why i'm wrong and i can work on doing better and being better and you know feeling comfortable admitting that is a really important thing and i also like an very difficult for Americans to do yes because Americans are kind of like I have to put on this front of like being the best at everything being the most woke the best dressed the like the coolest having the best college resume like we were talking about earlier yeah and so once any of those cracks start to get exposed you're like no 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 I, I gotta keep up this front and so it's just like I think the more we get over ourselves and the more we're like, I'm really, I'm human and I'm really struggling and I'm not going to say that I do everything right because I know I don't in right. in my heart. So let's just all figure this out together and navigate it and help me do better. I think as a white person and as someone who tries to be an ally but probably can do way better as an ally, you know, I want to do and I hope I do. Yeah, and I think that that's beautiful. And, like, I think there are so many uh, white people and, like, even me in, like, my younger days where I'm just like, oh, like, well, I didn't personally do all these things to black people or, like, Mexicans, like, in my life. Like, and I think a lot of people, so I think a lot of people fall into the trap of, like, reverse racism and all mm-hmm. that stuff because they're like, wait, what? Like, you can't, you're just saying all white people do this. Like, that's just as racist. And it's like, it it actually can't be. Yeah. <laughs> because, like minorities like don't hold like cultural and economic and like political power (laughs) you know and so I think like a lot of uh like it and you don't have to I don't know (sighs) maybe it's like a catholic guilt thing too but I think I feel like a lot and as a guy and as an American like there's just a lot of times where I'm walking around like am I just supposed to like just hate all the things I am (laughs) like am I supposed to just demonize my Americanness demonize my demonize my whiteness and demonize my maleness because like those three things are the source of like a lot of oppression and pain in the world you know and I don't think that that's the case at all I think it's like having the yeah having the humility and be like okay like how are these elements of me being used to like hurt other people how can I maybe like especially with like maleness and masculinity and stuff like I feel like there's there are ways to reclaim it in a woke compassionate way and be like okay how do i define my maleness 
in ways that aren't what femininity isn't, (laughs) you know? And like, anyways, so it's weird because like, you don't want to get into like, I feel like anytime you get into like white cultural pride, (laughs) you get into horrible things. But then like we're, you know, I was saying earlier just about like, uh, just being proud of being a human being and a citizen of the world, you know? But it was crazy because in this Charles Barkley video, the, uh, the guy from the all right was like so stoked to meet Charles Barkley. You know what I'm saying? And it was just Mm -hmm. such a great microcosm of like, just like uh, white culture, like taking what they want. Like, Mm. like, Oh wow. This cool celebrity basketball player. Yeah. And then seeing him later in the interview argue that like, he wants to keep like white culture separate from black culture and like all this stuff. And so that was pretty crazy. Um, And the thing that, that, that boggles my mind is like, um, just this idea that like that white supremacists have of um, just listening to this guy explain his point of view and being like oh like we just have this like western European culture that we're trying to like preserve you know and like it's just so weird because it's like white people don't belong in America in the first place and I'm pretty sure if you went back to those western European countries like He'd find people that were, like, way cooler <laughs> and more open-minded, you know? Yeah. And, like, are not asking you to represent, <laughs> the, you know, that culture. So it's almost like, it's just so strange that, yeah, it's obviously, obviously racism is weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I was having Thanksgiving dinner, and there was a guy there who uh, was, like, connected to the family, but not a family member. And... Uh, was talking about how he really wants to make sure that there aren't people that have like more rights than other people but he meant it about minorities and he wasn't he wanted to make sure that like minorities didn't have more rights than he did Uh, and I was like I agree with you but just like the opposite like I hope that there aren't people that have I I hope that like as a white person I don't continue to have like more institutional advantages just because of the color of my skin um so it's really interesting, like how that you know victimhood is switches yes. with racists, and there's this idea that like, and I was talking about this last night, like there's this idea that equality is a f- limited resource. Yeah, yeah, it's a limited resource. There's a fixed amount of it in the world, and like if anybody else gets more, it means you have less. Yeah, it's not how it works. Not at all. Not at all. Usually, if other people have more equality, that means you're gonna have more equality. It, like it builds on each other. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, it's a very difficult concept to teach in a culture where like you want as much as possible in everything and you want to be the one with the most yeah so it's a very difficult it's tricky and like i don't know if you saw that video that was floating around facebook of like people like saying that like they felt like embarrassed to admit that they thought like marriage should be between a man and a woman did you see that video i didn't see it it's like a video of people being like basically the victim thing you know what i'm saying yeah. like being like i have this like it was <laughs> it was like almost like they were trying to make it of like a like a video of people saying like oh i feel uncomfortable telling people that i'm like homosexual <laughs> or something right. like that you know like coming out and, and being in the minority and like being uh like wrongfully persecuted for that but they, <laughs> but they were talking about having these like 
horribly prejudiced ideas and they were like they're like you're not alone if you also feel this way and i was, it was just like what what this is a real video <laughs> so people that feel they're like they're like i know it's like it's like a relationship between me and god and i just i know that like this is right and like same-sex marriage is wrong and i just feel embarrassed to say it because like you know and it's just like so strange because you do get on a certain point where it's like okay you can't just like rationalize and normalize like okay let's listen to what the alt-right has to say yeah. you know anyways yeah i'm so interested by like cnn because they'll do this thing where they'll be like was obama born in america and they'll have like a professor of african-american history like a government official and then like a random blogger and a racist like that's how it usually goes it's like two experts a blogger and a racist and walk into a bar right <laughs> and you know when you do it that way when you present all of those sides where this guy's like no obama was born in kenya like blah, 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 you present that as like a legitimate viewpoint yeah that even though it's not based in any reality and is like a conspiracy and really horrible and racist like yeah. it's presented as like no but this is also what you can think about it if you right. want to um that's really dangerous when you can have yeah. opinions that aren't based in reality that's allowed i guess but you can't present those as legitimate as facts right like legitimizing bigotry right and being like no no let's listen to what (laughs) the racist tells to say (laughs) exactly exactly and so you have these people that like and you know it makes for some like good tv i guess if you like watching somebody be an idiot like an idiot and getting yelled at by experts like that's awesome but there are also people watching and being like no i'm gonna fight for the little guy and i'm also gonna start thinking that obama was born in kenya yeah that's a very damaging thing and i think that as like we as media platforms start to become more lateral and more accessible everywhere you have to find a way to make sure that is that too close to your face yeah you're a little it's it's soft sorry right this little microphone cover with microphone please continue um you have to find a way to make sure that you're not legitimizing like really dangerous stuff like you can't call Breitbart news on par with the new york times because that's not the like that's not the purpose of Breitbart. so yeah just kind of understanding intentions and like understanding that not all opinions are weighted equally if yeah. some of them are based in reality and others aren't, you know? Oh, I totally know what you mean. Like, I have a friend that, like, th- doesn't believe in science. Um, and he's just like, oh, that's just like, you just, like, believe in what you're told and, like, all this stuff. And it's like, dude, like, what? Right. <laughs> like, science isn't propaganda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been 20 minutes, ex- like, explaining why science is good. <laughs> um but another, speaking of just like, uh, yeah, public perceptions of things and, and stuff like that and misrepresentations of certain cultures, um, you are a Christian. Are you not? I am very much a Christian, yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't mean to say that in like an accusational <laughs> way. <laughs> For the record, you're under oath. Let it be known. Let it be known. You're a Christian. <laughs> Um, no, and we had a very rad conversation about Jesus last night. Mm-hmm. But um, for maybe people that are listening to this... Uh, feel like maybe a lot of my listeners are either like as like a lot of millennials are like we were talking last night are like either spiritual or not religious or like very mistrusting of political institutions and so therefore are very mistrusting of like 
all religion in general, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so, like, because of the Catholic Church's, like, history with, like, uh, you know... Abuse. Per- abuse and persecuting yeah. homosexuals and all these things, like, I feel like there are a lot of people that see it as a choice between, like, am I going to be on the side of these, like, white people that hate everybody <laughs> or on, like, the side of, like, my gay friends, you right. know? I choose my gay friends. And... um I just think that, like, yes, those types of people are out there, but also, like, Christian culture, like, is so vast and diverse, and there are, like, so many Christians with, like, pretty much opposite viewpoints, you know? And I feel like the type of Christian that you are, which is you're, like, a wonderful, loving, amazing being of light, (laughs) is underrepresented, you know what I'm saying? And I, I think it is, like, strange to certain people. Like, I think a lot of people just associate Jesus with, like, Oh, you hate gay people, <laughs> which is crazy yeah. because like, and like we were talking about last night, like, you know, <laughs> Jesus is just all about just like radical love, you yeah. know? Um, so do you feel like an outcast, uh, for being religious? Um, I'm lucky to have found an amazing community of people at my school who are kind and loving and open-minded and also just, like, love Jesus a lot. So I don't feel like an outcast in that way because I found this really rad group of people who are all about serving others. Um, But I do, I am a Christian feminist. I'm a liberal Christian feminist. And I was on a date the other day, and the guy was like, um, how is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) And... it's it made me sad because I think that a lot of the Bible is pretty feminist and pretty Christian. Like if you know, good majority is just like uh, being nice to the yeah. poor and the sick. Yeah, being nice to the poor and the sick, and like Jesus was like very anti slut shaming, and like that was like one of his big things. Yeah. And so like a lot of the language that we use as feminists, like you can see in the Bible, and uh, so it breaks my heart that people think that that's impossible because they either have this idea that feminism can only you can never be rooted in faith or that faith can never have any instances of like women's equality. Those are both two heartbreaking ideas. Right. And so, you know, I hope to kind of do my best to make sure that people can see the link between the two um, and see that it's always also a challenge to make sure that you're, you know, not compromising one ideology for the other. Right. Not feeling like you have to. Like they're not at odds. They're not at odds. And you don't have to be, nothing is binary in the world, you know? Not even gender. And so, like, you have to make sure that you're looking at your faith and your feminism, for me, like, with nuance and with humility and with, like, also the understanding that, like, you're never going to understand it all. Um, and just kind of go from there and figure out what what reflects what you know is true. So, yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people assume that, like, yeah, just that, like, um, faith means, like, bigotry or something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, that, like, faith means, like, rules and hierarchies and, you know, abuse and, um, like, being okay with a lot of horrible stuff right. and violence. And I try to respect, like... Because I was, like, very atheist growing up, and then I did this, like, total flip where I, like, got super into spirituality and religion and stuff and started almost looking down upon atheists and stuff like that. And, like, lately I've been more, like, in the middle as far as, like, oh, like, respecting that, like, 
those reasons that people kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater with faith and religion and stuff like that, the things that they are reacting against are legitimate reactions. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, to me, there's just like more to the story there. You know what I'm saying? But to be like, yeah, that's a fucking awesome thing. If you're like saying no to this like authority figure that's like telling you how to feel and telling you that certain people aren't people and stuff. Yeah, my pastor always says that, like, a lot of atheists are people who have just been really hurt by the church. Yeah. You know, and, like, I totally believe that the church is a very imperfect group of people that are trying to figure stuff out. And a lot of, you know, misinterpretations and yeah. politics and a lot also, of like, stuff. like, the church. Like, what is that? Like, who yeah. is the church? Is it, like, the Pope and his friends? Like, you know what I'm saying? Just that idea of, like, all of all of the followers of Christ, like are on the same exact team and like have like that it's not possible for nuance to be like there because there are some you know aspects of modern christian culture that i find like infinitely fascinating and horrifying <laughs> you know what i'm yeah. saying um and just the idea that but like like we were talking about last night like that that's people that's human beings you know what i'm saying that have have this convoluted idea of what they think jesus is all about and so like I don't know. I think it's important for people to know that there are people of faith out there that, like... Because one of the things that bothers me about atheism culture is just the association with, like, atheism and intelligence and mm. just the idea that, like, faith is, like, stupid and it's, like, a dumb... Like, you're being tricked to be controlled or something like that yeah. or being sold, like, some happy story or something like that because you're dumb. And if you're, like, smart and you're, like, an adult and you'll accept that, like... There is no God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like it's all a fairy tale to like not be, have to confront like really scary stuff like death. You know, I, I hear that a lot. Like people are like, you go to Duke, like why, why are you a Christian? Like why are you religious? You know, you're supposed to be smart. I'm like, yeah, as far as people I know are religious usually because um, I think to be religious is to, you know, recognize that there's something much, much bigger than you in the world and a lot of things that you'll never understand and that requires like a, a good a good amount of humility to kind of know that you're very small and like that but your smallness matters and you like and reconciling those two things and that the universe is very vast but also very small and you know that there are different sizes of infinity which is something we were talking about earlier but um yeah so i think it's it makes me sad that people think like it's that easy because Christianity is like also a very complicated religion and it makes no sense. Like when you think about like, okay, so there's like this one God, but it's like also three unique people yeah. <laughs> and like the, the father part of God sent the son part of God to earth. And then that son died, but he's also like the all living God because he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And like, here's the thing, like he went and he like died on this cross and like he saved everybody's sin and like went to hell. But like, then came back and like came back and then he rose up to heaven and so now he's back but like does god make decisions i don't know but and so like all of, it's like a very complicated weird thing that doesn't make any sense yes when you explain it that way so to kind of say like yeah i'm i'm gonna go with this even though sometimes i'm like i don't know if this is real like i don't know what's going on that i think requires some amount of trust in the world and in the universe and I think that that's so wise because, like, we're definitely, like, in an age of logic right now. And, like, logic, amazing. Love it. Great. But also, I think maybe not the only form of, like, understanding of the universe, you know? Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think uh, that maybe, like, a lot of the 
country right now is maybe like we were talking about that mythical deprivation earlier you know and just like why people get so excited when everybody's watching the same tv show again is because like oh my god we're the same you know and like maybe in olden days like religion served that purpose and not that we like need that again but just like when we have this kind of mythical deprivation as a culture someone like donald trump comes along selling this myth and people are so hungry for it that they're maybe willing to ignore all these fucking horrible facts. Red <laughs> yeah, but I also feel like I also feel like developing a relationship with uncertainty is such a human thing. It's so important, you know what I'm saying? And like religious religion is such a great tool for that and like to me science and and art and you know literature and things like there are all these extensions of humanity, you know, that we're all trying to find common humanity in each other and see what we can understand and, and come to terms with the things that we can understand, you yeah. know? And I feel like a lot of people uh, just ignore religion in that conversation, you know? Yeah, I think, like, religion, science, music, art, those are all languages we use to talk about God. And, you know, and none of them are perfect. And, uh, and so we're all just trying to figure out what it all means. And I think that every, you know, every aspect of life, like all those things I just listed, they're all trying to figure out at the end of it, at the bottom of it, like what is there? Why are we here? What does it matter? What are we supposed to do with our time here? And where do we go after? All of those things are trying to be addressed. And so, you know, to treat each one is like, you know, you don't have to hate science if you're religion, if you're religious, like you can love both and you can understand both and you can hope for both to do well and to be a big part of your life um and so i think that there's a lot of like monolingualism in that like you only have to find one way to figure out the universe you have one avenue yeah, you're a man of faith or a man of science exactly you're john locke or, or jack shepherd yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and so uh yeah i i just think you know one of the phrases i try and carry around with me is um embrace wonder and because <laughs> I think that the people in the world who have wonder in their eyes, like you're definitely one of those people for me, like, thank you. That, Likewise. Um, that ask questions and are like with it and in it and, you know, want to get into the nitty gritty and want to figure out other people in the world and why they think the way they do are the best, most spiritual people that you can meet. Because there are a lot of Christians that are not curious people that don't really care about what God would think about A, B, and C because they follow these rules. They have this, you know, these traditions, and they're, like, fine with that. And I think that they're missing out on, like, a huge part of spirituality, which is, like, doubt and curiosity and wondering and, you know, mulling stuff over and being confused. It's, like, a huge part of growing as a person. Yeah, and, like, I think Joseph Campbell has something about, like, who's like one of the smartest guys ever and was a devout Christian his whole life, um, has this thing about like, you know, religion should be something that like frames like the nothingness of the universe or like a window, you know, that, that frames nothingness. And a lot of times like it becomes a stained glass window and people are like focusing on the stained glass mm -hmm. rather than like the yes. fact that it's framing the, yeah. <laughs> the unknown, you know? Yeah. And, um, What's so ironic to me about, like, that criticism of religion is, like, that Jesus comes along in the New Testament and, like, calls people out for that exact reason. And he's like, stop worshiping the rules. Like, you know, like, the Sabbath was made to serve man, not man to serve the Sabbath. Right. You know? <laughs> and so that's 
that's just the the great part to me um and sorry to be reiterating all these things we said last night no. but um there's so many just like there's so much power in people coming together you know what i'm saying in any capacity whether it's for you know i was at this like uh pride rally in barcelona this like rave on the street it was great and i was like this is fucking awesome and then i went to mass on sunday with my friend tyler and there's that little bit of that same feeling of people coming together to learn how to love better (laughs) you know what i'm saying and like thinking about something other than themselves and like ritual and and mythology and all this stuff that i that is great that i feel like uh isn't necessary it's not for me it's not like the answer like you there is one path you know but it's definitely like an answer that I think a lot of people discount a lot of times, you know? Yeah. Every person on earth wants to be heard and wants to feel seen. And they're all searching for that in whatever capacity that it feels the most right for them. And for me, like when I'm in a dorm room, like sitting around with my friends and like, they are like, Hey Hannah, like, how can I pray for you today? That's how I feel the most seen and feel the most heard and like feel the most valued. Um, and so I think that once we start looking at other people and like wanting to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for you. Like, I really care for you. And I just, what do you need from me? If that becomes the first question we ask people instead of like, you know, what, what can you do for me? Or what, you know, what do you think of me? Or what do you like want from me? But instead, like, what can I do for you? Um, I think that we'll just be better friends and better people and better lovers and better family members. Um, and kind of build this community that you know transcends a lot of the bullshit that we create for each other you know that was so beautiful yes <laughs> i agree wholeheartedly oh. there's a couple other things i want to ask you about yeah. um just because it was it was such a profound moment to me will you talk about that book that you're reading or that book that you read love warrior yeah is it and yeah. that's that quote about yeah do uh, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what will you're you, about. Will you kind of rehash that idea? Because it, I feel like it ties in and it's just fucking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm too lazy to find a good transition to it. <laughs> Say a smart thing. <laughs> um, so in January, I read this book called Love Warrior by this woman, Glennon Doyle. Um, and it's about, it's a memoir. And, you know, she talks about how she struggled with bulimia and alcoholism her whole life, like starting from when she was 12. And on Mother's Day one year, she finds out that she's pregnant. And she's like, okay, like, this is it. This is my call to improve, and I'm going to figure this out, and I'm going to get clean, I'm going to get sober, and get my life together, and be a good mom. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. So she, you know, marries the father of the child and starts to build her life back up. And 10 years later, um, her husband comes to her and says, you know, we've been married for 10 years, and I need to tell you, like, I've been cheating on you since the month we got married. And so the question of the book is, how do you hit rock bottom again? Once you've, like, figured your way out of hell, like, what happens when you're sent there again? And she talks about addiction, and she says this thing about addiction that is so smart and brave and honest. And she goes, all I was doing is, I'm a very sensitive person, and with my addiction, all I was doing was sprinting between moments of loneliness because I didn't want to sit in the pain and figure out what that was. And, you know, luck, like, I'm very grateful in that I've never struggled with substance abuse, but there have been addictions in my life, and there have been people that I've been addicted to, or relationships, or, you know, sensations, or feelings, and um, to kind of understand, like, why am I running, and what am I running from, and what would happen to me if I sat in this pain and figured it out, 
and you and I have been both talked a lot about loneliness and how we've kind of always felt like lonely people, especially growing up. And, um, you know, to kind of sit in your loneliness and be like, well, what if I, what if I started to just be comfortable with myself? What if I started to like love myself? Would I really be like, would I really feel that need to run anymore? And, um, and just, you know, Christianity has this whole thing about stillness and like, be still and know that I'm God. And that's what plays into this. Like, you know, stop running away from pain and just to be still and like sit in it and like endure the messiness of it of like not being perfect and of making that huge mistake or you know ruining that relationship or whatever and just kind of like okay where do I go from here that isn't running yeah that's fucking gorgeous and for me like how I found a similar thing but just in my you know weird hipster Buddhism stuff like it's not weird or hipster I don't have to throw those disclaimers that's just that's me like trying to like you don't have to qualify your own path. Yeah, that's me just like, that's just the fear of judgment of being like, oh, you fucking, uh, <laughs> you fucking white, my spiritual idiot. <laughs> yeah, Buddhism is rad. I love it a lot. <laughs> and for me, like, yeah, like, um, just that stillness, that stillness and like in meditation of just like meeting the present for what it is with, with non-judgment and compassion and curiosity, you know, and like, yeah, that's fucking beautiful and rad. Um, oh, good lord, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I feel like um, a lot of people like there is so much wisdom to be learned from uh, people in recovery from substance abuse, you know. And like, I have a lot of like addicts and stuff in my family, and like, I haven't had like a serious like substance abuse problem, but I'm definitely like a para alcoholic or a para addict, you know. Um, in the same sense where I'm sprinting from lonely moment to lonely moment, you know? Um, and even Louis C.K. has that bit. Have you seen where he goes on Conan and he talks about texting and driving? No. He basically, like, has a bit where he's saying, like, a very similar thing where he's kind of just like, what is that impulse that's like, go to your phone, go to your phone, you know? And he's just like, he's like, I'm just ignoring, like, this huge sadness in my heart, you know? And he's like... He's like, well, I was driving on the freeway and I had that impulse to just reach for my phone, you know? Um, and he's like, and I didn't, and I just pulled over and I just wept. <laughs> you know? And so I think sometimes, like... And Bono has this one quote, and I fucking really don't like Bono, but he has this one really good quote where he's like, most people are either running towards God or running away from God. Mm-hmm. You know? or And to me, that can be like the universe or the stillness or whatever. Um... And just, like, like we were talking about drinking yesterday, too, and, like, when I was having, like, a pint in Ireland with somebody to, like, get to know strangers and, like, connect, like, how beautiful that was as, like, a way in, but then they're obviously, like, when you're trying to, you know, when I reach for my phone and I'm like, I need a way out, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And so just, like, trying to pay attention to those things and, like, yeah, what am I running from or am I, am I, am I diving in or, like, running away, (laughs) you know? And, like, uh that you don't have to like have had like a coke problem and lost your job to like identify with that and learn from like that wonderful author that you were talking about and um yeah question your habits and 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 try to uh like there there's such there's so few still moments in our lives these days you know or it can be you know you can wake up and check twitter and just kind of roll along in your day and it's very easy to not kind of take a breath and like assess where you're at, you know. Um, 
Yeah, for me, like, my goal this summer was to, like, start reading the Bible, like, the second I woke up and, like, having that be the first thing that I do. Um, And that's, like, really hard. You know, you wake up and you have notifications on your phone and you want to feel, like, connected with something that's tangible. Even though it's digital, it's tangible. Like, you feel like, oh, people care about me. Like, I really want to know that. You kind of have to, like, sit in meditation or prayer and kind of read these words that are very old. And it's... um, it makes you kind of lose that need to uh, need for stimulation and to kind of start to look for stimulation like in your own heart and to kind of like stop ignoring stuff like I want to be a writer I've always wanted to be a writer but you fucking are dude like you're the most writery person that I know <laughs> you and Jensen McRae who I hope she's listening to this because <laughs> she's also that way Um, but I think like I was so good at just, like, whenever I thought about something, oh, I want to write about this, like, disqualifying it and being like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, I, no one will care about this, so I shouldn't write it. And, you know, to kind of force myself to stop doing that. <coughs> Bless you. God, it's not real. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry. That was horrible. I'm totally joking. Thank you. I just wanted to say something totally contrary to this whole conversation that we had. <laughs> There's that You're in the middle of talking about how beautiful the Bible is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue. There's that contrarian Mac. Yeah, see, I'm too much of an asshole. <laughs> I'm too much of a dick to like remain in any club. <laughs> like I'll just be sarcastic at some point and get thrown out. Um, no, I mean just like to kind of start your day and end your day with stillness is an important thing for me. Um, and to kind of not um, think that you're an idiot for wanting to write or for wanting to like have write a bad poem or you know just to kind of like allow that vulnerability in your own because no one reads my poetry um, but like to still write it and feel like it's okay to write it and feel like yeah this is probably not like Sarah Kay but like it's it's me and it's me trying to work shit out and you know trying to figure out like how I can be a better person so um and heal from some stuff so I think stillness is a very underrated pro stillness pro stillness yeah I agree wholeheartedly and like I'm definitely a person that some like there's so many insidious ways to avoid that stillness and sometimes for me it is relationships you know Mm -hmm. and like I was talking to my friend Maddie, who I put the podcast out with her last week, uh, and she was talking about, she was like, Mac, and like, I think you need to conquer loneliness, was the words that she was saying. Um, because I will so often, like, respond to that internal emptiness with, like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, I need somebody to validate me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll externalize my sense of self-worth and, like, be so afraid that I'm going to miss the true love thing that I'm unturning every single stone and just pouring so much energy and it's so anxious and draining um, rather than trying to just commune with that feeling, you know. Um, but also back on the bless you thing real quick. There are, like, it. it is so annoying when people do get, like, weird about that, you know what I'm saying? Because so much of the... To me, just, like, saying bless you to somebody is, like, and, and I just, I hate, I hate the word namaste. I hate it so much. But what I really hate is, like, me just, that's just, like, my own fear of being, like, a su- pseudo-spiritual mm, L.A. Yeah. asshole. Yeah. But, like, what the word actually means is, like, the divinity in me 
recognizes the divinity in you. And to me, that's like what, like saying bless you when somebody sneezes is like, hey, what's up? I'm here for you. I love you. I hope you're okay. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And like, also, quick little fairy tale that I learned in Ireland was that apparently, like, like back in the day, like, that's what the Irish people were all afraid of, like, was, like, the fairies. Like, that was their, like, demons, you know? They were like, mm-hmm. oh, the fucking fairies, they'll come for you, man. And so, like, when you, they like, supposedly, like, when your heart beats, like, or when you sneeze, your heart skips a beat, and that's, like, an opportunity for the fairies to, like, get into your soul and, yeah. like, take over your body. So, like, they, like, so bless you was to, like, literally, like, <laughs> keep the fairies out of someone's heart, you know? Right. And be, like... I'm, like, helping you. I'm, like, protecting you. And I just, like, you don't have to, uh, you know, be a Christian to recognize that that's just, like, an awesome, cool idea, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's like a spiritual battle that you're fighting for somebody really quick while their, like, eyes are still closed and snot's running out of their nose. Like, I, I think that's a really beautiful thing to kind of look out for people. And, you know, you have this song, you know, two Christians in a coffee shop or walk into a coffee shop. Yeah, two people from a Christian group. Oh, sorry, two people from a Christian group. And I think it's so beautiful because it's just, like, people looking out for each other spiritually. And just be like, hey, Mackin, like, how can I pray for you? Or, like, can we just pray over you? Or, you know, and, you know, all of my friends uh, and in my religious group at school, like, we get dinner all the time. And at the end, they're like, hey, prayer request, like, let's hear it. And they're serious about it. And I know that they're praying for me. And I know that they're thinking about me and, like people will randomly text me and be like hey just like just you know like you were in my prayers today and like i've been thinking a lot about you and i'm just hoping you're doing well and if you need anything let me know i think that's a really important thing and if you're not religious like there's a lot of ways you can do stuff like that just be like hey like you know i know your uh family member passed away so like the next movie is on me like or like hey like i i haven't heard from you in a while just like checking in like making sure that you're doing well if not like let me know um, I think those are like really beautiful human moments that yeah. make us all better and more vulnerable and more open. Yeah, I agree so much. And it's like the man, it's like so not that hard to give and to take care of people. You know, mm-hmm. like I have these cousins. Um, this was a very mind-blowing moment in my life, like where I was like, it was like Christmas time, and like I didn't really buy Christmas presents for anybody. Because I was like, I'm a broke college kid. Like, right. uh, uh. And <laughs> I like, I don't, you know, exactly. Like, mm, fucking, you know. Uh. <laughs> uh, and my cousins who, like, were literally at the time homeless, like, did not have a home, you know. Um, they were staying with us for a few days, and then they were, like, staying with family members, like, till they figured something out, you know. But they're, like, very low-income people, you know. And, like, at this point in time, like, did not have a place to live. Right came over for a couple of days um, and I just like stopped by the house just to say hi you know and I love them very much um, and they got me gifts they brought me gifts they brought me like a candle like a really nice candle and like a, a Grinch mug you know mm-hmm. two things that I use every single day of my life <laughs> so not only I mean not that it matters like the quality of the gifts you know right. but just like the fact that I had somehow rationalized like not being able to give or something like that um, cause I like I was like oh I like you know I gotta buy groceries um, and they have like so much less and found it found like room in their hearts to give like was just so mind blowing you know and like when I was in Ireland there was times like I was telling you like where I'd either like have run out of money or like run out of food and then like people would give to me and stuff like that and like or be re- vice versa, or like, obviously that was great, and like obviously I wasn't really like 
you know, like I had my return flight ticket home. I wasn't like completely right. stranded and like, I'm not trying to be like, yeah, I know exactly what being homeless is like now. Cause I was <laughs> almost homeless a couple of times. <laughs> um, but it is, it was incredible to, cause I feel like a lot of people think that human decency and courtesy and stuff like that are maybe like extensions of privilege, you know? Mm. And it's like, oh, it's easy to be generous and kind to people. Like when you're like, living like a fat cat up on the big hill, you know? And it's just like being with people who had next to nothing, who still like made a place for me at their table and stuff like that was just so like informative. Just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like you don't uh, have to have anything to treat people with respect, you know? Mm -hmm. And then other people that were like, like other buskers when I was on the street busking, like, you know, to try to make enough for like a hostel, you know? So like there were a couple like assholes, you know, and people that were like, because they were in a desperate situation were like really just out for themselves and like selfish and and stuff. Exactly. Which I sympathize with, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, obviously that person's in a desperate situation. And like when you're desperate, you, you, do things you would normally do and so I don't hold it entirely against them but it's also like meeting people in those same shoes that are like hey man I got your back you know what I'm saying like do you want some of this bread like I only have this much bread (laughs) you know so it's just the idea that uh, yeah that that it's not a privilege to be kind you know it's cool and also like people who are generous with their time and with their attention or sometimes like the best gifts that you can get like when you know I was really really burnt out by the end of the school year this year and like I was really like I don't want to be here and I'm tired and I miss my family and I want to be in my bed and I don't want to wear shoes in the shower and you know like yeah just like getting to that point of like complete exhaustion with school and academia and um I called my friend Matthew and I was like I I just need somebody to talk to and he had a final the next day and he was like yeah I got you and uh, it's just like have somebody who values that friendship and, you know, or, or is like, hey, I'm, I'm going to look out for you. And I, he doesn't have to buy me dinner. He doesn't have to do anything like that. He just gave me time and made me feel heard and seen, which, again, is, I think, what everybody wants and needs. And it was like the best thing anyone could have done for me. This would just be like an ear for me to be like, I don't want to write this paper anymore. Like I've been working on it for a month and a half. I hate it. And to kind of just be like, yep, I see you. Like, you're valid. Like, don't worry. Um, yeah. You'll get through it. You know? And Or also to give, like, me tough love. And my friend Mika was like, yeah, I'm changing your Tumblr password. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, that was... I'm very grateful to have people that... And, you know, people who also... I'm very serious about, like, being with somebody and, like, not looking at my phone when I'm with them. Because yeah. I never want them to feel like, oh, I'm just, like, gonna be with you as long as it holds my attention. Like... Otherwise, I'm going to be looking at more interesting shit on my phone. Because um, I think that's a very isolating thing for somebody to be like, oh, I really can't be super vulnerable with you because, like, I don't know the next time you're going to think Twitter is more important. Like, your Twitter poll about which Harry Potter movie is best, like, you're really going to go check that? Like, well, you know, it is Goblet of Fire, if anyone was wondering. But. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just, like, being generous with time and with your space and with your attention, I think, is super important. Hannah Rogers you're a glorious being of light (laughs) who fills the world with a lot of love and goodness and the way you make your way through the universe is uh, fucking inspiring so thank you for being alive and being the way that you are because it's great
Thanks for being on my podcast. Mac and Carol, I just adore you with every single part of my heart. I root for you so hard, and I um, I love you. I love you, too. I just This also isn't recording. I just wanted to hang out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, Hannah's so great. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, listening to that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Um, fierce warrior of love. Uh, you know, she inspires me to be one too. And uh, yeah, friends. You know, take it easy on yourselves. Relax. Take a nap. You're gonna need it for the revolution. See you guys. <laughs>